I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Welcome to Ruthie's Table 4, a production of iHeartRadio and Atomize Studios. Hello, everyone, and welcome to an evening with Ruthie Rogers and Martha Stewart on the River Cafe Lookbook for Ruthie's Table 4 podcast. Award-winning chef and best-selling cookbook author Ruthie Rogers launched the River Cafe in London in 1987. A week ago today, I was in New York with Martha Stewart doing a live podcast. Martha Stewart is the founder of the first multi-channel lifestyle company. About cooking, about magazines, about books, about each other and our careers in food. Reaching more than 100 million devoted fans on a monthly basis through her magazines, television shows, books, and products for the home, Martha is a go-to source for the homemaker. Please join me in welcoming Ruthie and Martha. Imagine for a moment you are Martha Stewart. It is 1992, and you're the most important woman in the world of food. You are beautiful, you're funny, and you say yourself that your best quality is your curiosity. So maybe it was that curiosity which made you drive 25 minutes from your hotel in London to a small restaurant in a warehouse on the Thames, which had opened just a few years before, run by two women whose only culinary experience was cooking for their families. Now imagine how these women, Rose Gray and Ruthie Rogers, felt when Martha Stewart booked a table for lunch. They were anxious, excited, and probably a bit overwhelmed. Today, being here together on this autumn day in New York means more to me than I can possibly say. This is a long time ago. What, 19, when did I first come? 1992. It seems like yesterday, but it it actually was a long time ago. And and I was a divorcee, and my first big trip to London after I got divorced and started uh, my own company, um, I, I met men. Oh. Really nice men, and I read and I read in, in your Cafe. book. I read in your book who your who your uh, and some of them are in that list, and it's really oh. fun to see that. Uh, well, or all like I looked online, you know, but um, yeah, people you're grateful to. But like uh, I did, I did not have an affair with Michael Caine, but I did have an affair. But I did have an affair with one of his best friends, and uh, Terry. Terry, Terry Donovan? No, O'Neill. Oh, Terry The photographer, yeah. remember him? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he was great. 
And he, he sort of introduced me to the nice crowd in London. Yeah, yeah. And we had, those were the days. Michael is, I have to say, Michael's amazing. Oh, I went to Michael Caine's house for the weekend. Oh. I had so much fun. We, it was a big house party. Oh. You know, and I, when I think about those days, I can't even believe that was me yes, because it was, it was, but it was uh, so much fun. But we, but we, ate at the, we ate at this restaurant that was so exquisite because there's two ladies dressed in their stiff white chef's jackets, yeah. and they looked really great, and they spoke really nicely to everyone, and, and the food was just delicious and really well presented. I just loved it. I loved it for the first moment that I walked into the restaurant. And then you invited us to come on your TV show. Yes, I did. Tonight. Yep. We must post that segment tomorrow. Yeah, oh, okay. do you have it still? Of I course. It. It's, I it's, a, it's film. You film oh, all yeah. that stuff. Okay, yeah. I'm still looking for the bed. We have a big, have a big library. Excuse me while I try to find a bed that Martha had an affair that really interesting. It's so funny because I'm working on my 100th book. And I get this book in the mail called The... River Cafe lookbook, and I open it up, and I say, oh, shit, she beat me to it. <laughs> and, uh, and what my, I had already discussed with my editor what I wanted to do, and I wanted to, I wanted to make the food in the book. It's my 100 favorite recipes. I wanted to make the food look like art. And you've done it, so I can't do it. Now I have to think of a whole new idea for the photographer. <laughs> No, but I really love the picture so much. We took all the photographs of the finished dishes and trying to do it step by step was patronizing, boring, and we just weren't very good at it. So we thought, you know, what would be a book that might inspire people to cook, and not necessarily just children, without intimidating them, but inspiring them to cook. And um, it has a kind of backstory, this book, which is to do with someone bought me these books for people who have had brain damage or autism or anything connected with neurology. And it's, it's, I'll just show you very quickly. It's about pairing images. And so we thought what we would do is do a book in which you just had images next to each other. So why is looking at a vase of wilting tulips something that connects you with spaghetti vongole with red chilies? And why would a you know, burnt matches somehow means something to you with lamb chops. There's something that stops you. And so what we did was we had the photographer do all the food photographs, Matthew Donaldson. And then we didn't commission these photographs. We went through his archives. And so we went through the archives and we found photographs that we thought we could possibly match with, um, with the cooked food. And then we put the recipes at the back. And... Um, with kind of very Martha Stewart-like instructions, which is advice, which is to begin by reading a recipe twice, ending by now put on your apron and wash your hands. Anyway, this is what we did, and um, this is our book. It was very nice production. I said to um, someone who helps me, I said, can you go and get a book by Martha? Not one of the new ones, but just go and try and find a book. And they came back with housekeeping. <gasps> Six things to do when you wake up in the morning. Do you know what they are? <laughs> I know. Yes, Make what? your bed. Uh, get rid of the clutter. Uh, this, is, this dates it because it says sort your mail. 
which I thought interesting. Oh, I, I distorted my mail this afternoon. Oh, email. Yep. No you get letters. Mail. Really? I get a pile. I haven't had a letter. I get stacked this high really? of mail every day. Oh, lucky you. I haven't had oh. a letter. If anybody wants to write me fan a letter, mail, be really. <laughs> I'd love to sort it. Then I could have something to sort. <laughs> I have nothing to sort. And I have to sort through all that mail. I've sorted to Stephanie. Gets all the like the fan mail. We get a lot of fan mail. I mean, wow. it's it, it, it's amazing where they where it comes from. And then wow. and then my and the 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 guy who, who pays all the bills, he gets all the bills. Don't oh. you get bills? No. Oh, geez, you're lucky. I think that housekeeping, <laughs> if anybody's seen it, it is, uh, when we've been reading it every night, when everybody comes to the house, it's about that. Homekeeping thing. handbook. I love it. It is the best book. It tells book. you, there's, you know, and I thought, you know, and I was talking to a very young friend of mine, and I was telling him that, that a lot of us whose mothers perhaps really became involved in feminism, right, so in the maybe the 60s, really didn't want to teach us how to sew a button, you oh. know, or clean a spill when it's fresh. Well, we know that, you know, it's easier. But I think that what Martha really did teach us that it's okay to do what we want to do, but also know how to do something domestic. Oh, and right. um, I think it's I, very I have important. To say it's a huge... Um, like my friends my don't part. know to use a squeegee in their showers. What's a squeegee? They don't know that. And then you get into their shower and it's all grungy, you know, and the glass looks all cloudy. If only you used a squeegee. My grandchildren use squeegees just to see them. And they're beautiful showers. They're cleaning them, everything, you know. Since they were one, they were using squeegees. But that book is great. The the home keeping handbook is great. And and decorators, uh, Michael Smith, who's the fanciest, schmanciest decorator on earth, he gives that book to his clients. And they sit down and they read it so they can learn how to take care of those fancy houses that he designs for them. I wish I could read my first Twitter recipes because I was a really big fan of Twitter when it came out. I I still have the original stock. I think think I've gotten paid $54 a share, but I'm not sure I haven't gotten any money yet from Elon. Let's let's see if if he pays those debts. But my, I had so much fun writing those recipes. Try to do a recipe in 80 characters. It was really hard. The show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Help helps is a maxim I believe in. We all carry around stress and hardship. And when we keep it inside, it starts to chip away. Therapy is a safe place, and therapy is for everyone. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Visit BetterHelp. Dot com slash Ruthie today to get 10% off your first month. That's better help. H-E-L-P dot com slash Ruthie. Betterhelp dot com slash Ruthie. I'm Katya Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. 
So, Martha, can you tell me about your family? Can you tell me about growing up in a household? Did oh, you well, I mother grew, cook? I grew up with mom and dad. Both Where was that? In Nutley, New Jersey. Mm. Mother was a school teacher. She taught sixth grade at, uh, at the Washington School in Nutley, New Jersey. And uh, she went back to teaching when she had her sixth child, right? When that sixth child, Laura, was old enough to go to kindergarten, my mother started teaching again. She took off, like I think, 18 years to have six mm-hmm. kids. Mm-hmm. But she substituted during that time because mm-hmm. she, she didn't like staying home what that much. What did your father do? Dad was a, a, a farmer pharmaceutical salesman mm-hmm. like I said once he was a drug salesman and that's not no, exactly not. the right thing yeah, to say yeah. but um, but mother cooked every meal how did she do that she she was organized and yeah. uh, and Martha I was the oldest daughter so I was there was a brother a daughter it was boy girl boy girl all the way down and I learned how to cook at her uh, side and I would help of course mm. But the kitchen was the hub of our home, and it was a really ugly kitchen. My father, he renovated the kitchen himself, and and he put down pink linoleum squares on the floor, pink. And he put a bathroom, a little sink and toilet, right off the breakfast nook. We had a nook where we all sat with a big picture window looking out at the garden. And um, and then he put birch cabinets, which were they were okay, except that he put very ugly hardware on them, and then pink formica countertops, which that's kind of which cool. was not nice. <laughs> and um, and on, that's all one side of the kitchen, and one little oven, one mm. with a broiler in it. You know, mm. this is for eight people. Mm. What year would that be? That well, we, I guess that was the 1950s. Mm. That was the renovation, the 50s kitchen. It looked like a 50s kitchen. How long kitchen. did that last? Did he? Did he oh, when we had it, and we and I bet it's still there. I haven't been. I haven't been inside the house. I've gone to visit the house since we. My mother sold it, but um, but I'm I'm sure it's still there. It was it was well built, but I'm, they must have put new counters in because that pink was hard, was hideous. But um, but you know, it's I just before we go back to your mom is I did a podcast with Alfonso Cuaron, the um, film director, who did Roma, and it was very interesting because he talked about the difference between the American culture of the kind of middle class wealth or growth and the Mexican, and it also reminded me of Italy, that he said that in America, if you had more money, you had bigger kitchens. You had a huge fridge, you have two ovens, you'd have walk in this and, you know, that's how you showed your wealth. And in Mexico, and I think probably in Italy, you could go to quite grand houses and have a very simple kitchen, really, really small, but you had more help. Oh, that yeah, was the, the way. Help, yeah, you right. just had more domestics. So his whole, well, if you've seen Roma, it is about, you know, the life of the domestic. Whereas well, I think... We had no domestics. But you had no... Your mother had no help. No, no help. nothing. So when was she shop? How would she work? Well, and we then, went shopping. It was Friday morning. Fri- Friday morning with Mr. Mouse from, the, from next door, this German baker from next door. And and he had a big Buick. It's his name, Mouse. Like M-A-U-S, M-A-U-S Mouse, yeah. yeah. And he was, um, he and his wife um, would take us, would drive us because we only had one car and dad took the car to work. So they would take us to the co-op. That's where we shopped and uh, and load up the car with a week's supply of groceries. And we also had a large garden. And so that that was only, you know, during the warm weather, though, was the garden. And my mother did a lot of canning and preserving. We had a large freezer in the basement, a great big freezer. And we also had a large refrigerator in the basement where overflow was kept. Yeah. yeah. And when my brother wasn't skinning muskrats in the in the laundry sink, <laughs> he was a trapper. He, he put himself through college on his on the fur the fur that he trapped. Oh. 
Can you imagine? I, and I was the best skinner, so I did a lot of the oh. skinning. He Actually, found I can't that out. imagine that. Yeah, I, I skinned no. muskrats. They were dead yeah. by the time I got them, thank God. And I didn't have to Once kill them. Once you learn how to skin a muskrat, do you learn that for life? Is that something oh, you yeah, do Oh, yeah, you never now? forget. I'm, yeah. I'm, really good. I'm really good at killing the chickens and the geese and all of that stuff. Yeah. So you so. grew up in this house, so it's not a surprise that you taught everybody how to change a light bulb and how to yeah, make no, a no, bed. Yeah, no, no, I did all to... that stuff. I did yeah. all that stuff. I'm yeah. still not very good at plumbing, and I'm not very good at yeah. electricity, well. but I can do all the other stuff. Yeah. So tell me more about growing up in the. In well, the house the was a it was it was a fun house, you know, because um, you you um, like the old Polish joke where what's a what's a Polish vacation? Do you know what that is? Mm-hmm. And, and please don't take this badly. I'm not bigoted. I am Polish, 100. percent It's sitting on your neighbor's stoop, and uh, that's a vacation. And that's what we did. We sat next door on the Italian stoop, or we sat next door on the Irish stoop. And we had we ate everybody's food. We were it was a very nice neighborhood, yeah. and I I learned a lot. I learned how to roast the potato the best way. You know that was that was important to know how to do that, and I also learned um, how to make beautiful beautiful yeast spreads from Mr. Mouse in his basement. Mm. He had a big bakery down in his basement, mm. and I still have his bread making bowl, mm. the big yellowware bowl, in which I which I uh, made all my dough, and for Thanksgiving I'm giving all, my whole staff I'm giving them all panettone, which is oh, which is a a, yeah. a recipe that yeah. I learned from Mr. Mouse yeah, yeah. a long time yeah. ago. Mr. Um, and it's good. So if you had all that background, which does really explain a lot, I didn't know that because there were a lot of people who grew up without any of that knowledge. Well, oh, we you fished. Know, I didn't know, we have we went fishing yeah. and would bring home a hundred bluefish. Yeah. And um, and we yeah. would freeze those bluefish, and we yeah. would eat bluefish for a lot, yeah. a lot of bluefish. I like bluefish actually, yeah. and we would also uh, we, we had farmer farmer relatives in southern New Jersey that had cows and yeah. grew corn, really good corn. Yeah. Being Pol- a Polish background, you learn a lot about yeah. agriculture, yeah. and you learn a lot about cooking and preserving. And every night you'd sit all eight of all, us. Sit all down of together. us, yes. It's, and with dinner was important. Yeah. And conversation at the dinner was important. And what would that be like? Oh, everything from co- current events to what was on the shadow nose to... <laughs> we, What's a shadow no, nose? That's a radio program. Oh. We, uh, we had a radio, but yeah. not a television. We were the last family on the street to get a television. Yeah. We would have to sneak out be, and visit be. our neighbors for, to watch TV. When I interviewed Nancy Pelosi, she said she'd never sat down to a meal without a tablecloth. Oh, well, yeah. we sat that? down to a pink formica table in the nook, in the nook. Of, the, of the kitchen nook. It was called the breakfast nook, but it was a large enough table for eight people. And who did the dishes afterwards? And, um, you did? Yes, I did the dishes. What about your homework? And the homework was at the kitchen table. Right. And mom would sit there with her one cigarette. Oh, yeah. I, she was so sexy, she sat there... And after dinner, after everybody was in bed except for Martha, who was cleaning up, and I was also sewing a lot, too, because I made my own clothes, uh, Mom would sit... Can you believe this? <laughs> yes, it's true. Can you believe Ask my sisters. And my mother would sit there with one cigarette, her Chesterfield cigarette in her fingers, and I, I loved how she looked. Wow. I thought it was the greatest. You smoked? Uh, I never smoked, no. No, but that was only one a day. 
Did your father cook? Dad made breakfasts. But okay. he would you know, he would make eggs with smiley faces made out of maraschino cherries and green peppers, lips, you know, yeah. to lure us down to the kitchen. And he had an intercom in the house. If you ever read um, Cheaper by the Dozen, it was a, a fabulous book about a, a father who had 12 children. Um, and, and it was written in like Montclair, New Jersey. And dad would would make believe he was that father. Right. And uh, Well, what about the intercom? The intercom is rise and shine. <laughs> I still remember that. I'm not allowed to say that at, in my house at all. Rise in China. So then the early years. I'm getting silly. This is very silly because it is, but it yeah. is a childhood of based on really yeah, that's good what food. Is interesting, I mean, yeah. we were brought up on fresh, good food. Yeah. Yes. So this was life in the um, in the house. What in the your, suburbs. In the it, burbs. What was, what was your name before? What was it? Martha, Martha Castira. Castira. Yes. But do you think they were? Did you have a grandmother? Oh, yeah, I had two grandmothers. Just one of the other things. Was she important? Well, Grandma important? Grandma Helen lived down the street. So she was, and she made the best gefilte fish. Oh. Okay. Uh, she would bring home the giant carp that would sit in the bathtub. In the bathtub? My oh, grandmother yes. had of course, a carp the in the bathtub. Mel and, Brooks has a, a lot of make lot this of early most delicious it. mousse, the mousse of uh, carp that was the turned out to be the gefilte fish with a, a wonderful sauce. She was, she was great. And um, the other grandmother? The other grandmother, Grandma, Grandma Ruskowski, lived in uh, Buffalo, New York. And she lived next door uh, to a slaughterhouse. So I got to see how animals were slaughtered early on. We would peek through the wooden fence and see the cows coming in and all of that. Um, but I learned, I learned a lot about uh, how to treat animals and how not to treat animals. And also she, was, um, she would go to the farms up in New York State near Buffalo and, and bring home the most beautiful golden cherries. And, and she would do all canning because they didn't have freezers. But they did, uh, she did canning amazing. Canning was a big thing, right? Oh, yeah. It was incredible. I learned how to be a good canner from her. How do you be a good canner? Well, the preparation and the sterilization of the jars and the and making sure everything is impeccable and so that we won't get sick eating, you know, tainted food. <laughs> and that was impressed on us a lot about how Your was. grandparents born in Poland? Yes, all, all of them. So yes. they brought that with them? Yeah. So that was what it was growing up in that household. Yeah. And then when you left, did you miss that? Was that what? Did Not you at all. <laughs> no. No. Not yeah. at all. Because I I got married when I was nineteen. Oh. I fell in love at eighteen and got married as quickly as I could possibly get yeah. married and get out of the house and yeah. start my own house. It was fun. It was a lot of fun. And I cooked everything all the time. Did you? Oh yeah. And dinner parties. Galore. Did your Did your husband cook? No. No, he didn't. But he he liked to eat. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. 
Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com iHeart. That's LifeLock.com iHeart to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here with a large family and the kind of life you had, I think I might know the answer to this question, but did you go to restaurants? No. No. No, we had no money to go to restaurants. Six kids, all preparing to go to college. Um, There was no time. My big treat for my dad, my dad loved good food, and he went to restaurants because... He, he would be, take his you know, doctors out that he was selling drugs to, uh, whatever. Um, so he got to experiment and, and visit restaurants in New York City. But he would bring me home like a pomegranate mm. from Chinatown. Mm. And so when did you start going to restaurants then? Well, as soon as I could get to work, I went, I went to work, seriously. Probably when I was around 13, I started to model in New York City, a, a, a girl across the street uh, was a model and a ballerina in New York. And she said, Martha, you should really come see my agent. She'd love you. And so I went to see um, this lady, Eileen Ford, and she accepted me as a, as a kind of a... T- 13. Part- yeah, part-time model. So I would, I would work after school, and on Saturdays I would work maybe modeling live at Bonwit Teller. Um, it was fun, and, you know, it was like instead of 50 cents an hour, I was making more like $20 an hour uh, in New York, and that's, that was a lot of money. And then I got some TV commercials, and that's what really paid. Um, it paid for my entire college education, the residuals in those days. It was very lucrative. So I did that until I went to Barnard College, is that um, when you started eating out? Oh, yes. And boyfriends, you know, would take boyfriends me out to, to dinner. We would have nice dinners, different places. Uh, I remember going what to... What was it like New York? When well, you... um, one of my boyfriends, the guy I actually married, lived in the Ritz Tower. And the Ritz Tower on Park Avenue and 57th mm-hmm. Street had the pavillon downstairs. Oh, the pavillon. That was his yeah. lunchroom. Yeah. And a breakfast was sent up to his apartment and mm-hmm. dinner if you wanted to. But we ate in the pavillon. That was very nice. And... Uh, there were other um, lovely French restaurants to eat at. There was only one Japanese restaurant that I remember um, downtown on like 56th Street. Uh, but I ate at a Japanese restaurant uptown on 120th Street in Amsterdam called Aki. That was very good. Mm. So I, I started to experiment with all different cuisines early on. As, as soon as I could, I started to eat unusual foods. Mm. I think that that also is is when you can pay for your own meal, when you can go out to a restaurant, is a kind of almost a measure of your success, isn't it? That you know that you, you know, it's better if the boyfriend paid, but it was. But um, it is very different now, right? But you, did you take your children out to restaurants? Oh, they they love to go out to restaurants. They love fine food. Your kids, your grandchildren? Yes, but especially Japanese food. They have very, very good taste. Do you ever order in? I have never ordered no, in. No, nor have I. Never. 
I, I just no. don't do that. And, I think it's and so. During COVID, I think there was a pizza one night that yeah. somebody ordered yeah. in. But I, I cooked uh, for the first 100 days of COVID. I cooked for, I, I, I kept three people in my house with me. I kept my, gar- my head gardener, Ryan. Um, he's not bad to have around. And I kept my driver, Carlos, and I kept my housekeeper, Elvira, and I cooked, I cooked for them uh, all meals, and we actually had a lovely time. Yeah. I mean, and I don't think it's bad. Um, when I say I don't order in, I don't sort of judge it, because I see my kids do. My kids do. Oh, when I go into and a restaurant and see the day, takeout that's lined up on the counters. Yeah, maybe. It's just not my yeah, habit to order yeah, in. Yeah, me neither. But I think that your, your mother probably hasn't, has she? Have any of your mothers, do you think, it might be really generational, because it is, but it goes back to your mother. It is really hard to work all day, or as many people we know, work the night shift, or have to go to work. You know, the image that we all have that everybody should sit down and eat a home-cooked Meal. It's really hard. It it's is really hard, and I think and judging I, and women admire, who don't do it is fair. I admire the people who do go home yeah. and put a good meal on the table, yeah. and also respect the ones who can't. I do, you know, because I think maybe you'd prefer to do homework with your kid than cook a meal, or maybe, as I said, you have to leave at five to go work at Amazon, or you know, it's a tough world out yeah. there. So um, going back, and so we, you went to Barnard, you got married, and then when did the thought of actually all the knowledge that you had from your mother and from your your past and your experience, when did that come into the idea of actually you do that full time? Oh, that took a while mm-hmm. because I, I took some detours like to Wall Street. I learned how to learn how to become a stockbroker and I traveled a lot and uh, tasted foods all over the world mm-hmm. and fell in love with different cuisines and tried to learn how to how to make those things. That was all more hobby than than profession. And then I, I then F, I guess let me see. I was already forty when I wrote my first book. So yeah, I was old by the time I wrote my first book. Well, I was I was thirty eight when I started really? the cafe. Yeah. Yeah. So we're, we're late bloomers. Kind of women, my, your yeah. gynecologists would call you a late bloomer. A late bloomer. Okay. <laughs> They called me a late bloomer probably when I was 18 anyway, so I was like 14. But I think that um, it is interesting how the two of us, you know, we didn't go, I didn't go to cooking school, and I certainly didn't have the background that you had. And I have been maligned for not having gone to cooking school, and I have been maligned for not knowing how to do this or do that. But my best teachers... Have you been maligned for that? Oh, maligned like crazy. Why? For what? You know... Giving just, advice and not having yeah, just because oh, I didn't have an I didn't have a culinary education. I didn't. Do you work think it was also restaurant. very male at that time? Oh, Did it was care? very male, but was, I don't yeah. want to get into that stuff because that's I don't hold any grudges. Uh, it's not a grudge, except, but it's a fact, except, isn't it? Yes, um, it it's is a, a fact. fact. Yeah, it was kind of crazy because I learn from watching. I'm a really good observer, mm-hmm. and I have had the opportunity uh, in my career with uh, with the TV shows to have the finest chefs in the world cooking with me. Mm-hmm. And Nobu even gave me a sushi jacket because I he thought I did very well with the sushi knife and, and the fish. Mm-hmm. He let me cut sushi behind his bar uh, on 57th Street, and that's pretty yeah. high praise. But that's the kind of thing I like to learn from, from watching and learning with the finest of the, of, mm-hmm. you know, the finest chefs in the, in the world. So what happened when you were 40? What was the actual well, I, first Well, I decided I would write a book, and I wrote, I was catering. I was doing a mm-hmm. lot of catering. So you had been catering? Yes, oh yeah. When did that start? Uh, that started in my mid-30s. You just had it that start? 
that I retired from Wall Street. Okay. And, and I, just... I had to do something, so I started a catering business, yeah. which probably <laughs> I should have stayed in Wall Street and, you know, run General Electric or something. But... Um, <laughs> Why did you say that? No, just just in retrospect, it would yeah. be sort of fun. But our move to Silicon Valley. Catering is so hard, isn't oh, it? Catering is the worst job catering. on earth. I and agree. it's sort of like being a stockbroker. All you're doing is paying attention to an individual at a specific time. Yeah. And uh, and it's all it's all about money and getting the yeah, stuff yeah. done on time. Yeah. And it was it was a pretty horrible business. Yeah. But you're building a restaurant every night and tearing it down at the end of the evening and loading it into the car. And uh, I knew my marriage was over the night I drove back into the driveway on Turkey Hill Road and nobody came out to help. That was, I knew it was over. Yeah. Yeah. But that's what, that's what happened because I was devoted to the work. and, And then that's when I started thinking, what can I do to make, Something that my children, my grandchildren and grandchildren might uh, know their know their grandma for, and that was to write a book. What was the first? Entertaining. Book? Entertaining. Yeah, that nice yeah. book. It was a really nice book. So that was published in 1982. It's 40 years old this year. Yeah. 40 years old. Food is alleviating hunger, food is political, it's also comfort. And so my last question to you, my darling woman, is when you need comfort, is there a food you turn to? Probably the bowl of eggs in my kitchen. How how would they... Well, I raise my own chickens and I raise my own Mm. eggs, and the eggs are so delicious. Mm. And no matter how you cook them, they're good. Okay, well, seeing you today is a comfort, Martha Stewart. Thank you. So great to see you, too, after... (laughs) The River Cafe Lookbook is now available in bookshops and online. It has over 100 recipes beautifully illustrated with photographs from the renowned photographer Matthew Donaldson. The book has 50 delicious and easy-to-prepare recipes, including a host of River Cafe classics that have been specially adapted for new cooks. The River Cafe Lookbook, recipes for cooks of all ages. Ruthie's Table 4 is a production of iHeartRadio and Atomize Studios. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you, and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare.